This is the daily lectionary comments for November the 20th. We're going to look at, uh, we're going to start a brand new book, Daniel. And we're going to be looking at Daniel 1 and then uh, to a little bit about what who Daniel is and where his ministry was. And then Matthew 28, this is the resurrection of Jesus according to Matthew. Okay, Daniel chapter 1. Now, let me give a, a broad uh, survey. For a long time, we were in Kings and we were following the history of Israel as it sort of degenerated and slouched toward the disaster, uh, which which is the destruction of the northern kingdoms and the exile of of Judah. And then when we got to the end of Kings, we switched to Ezra and Nehemiah, and that jumps beyond the exile to what happened when the people came back from exile. So it was about 70 years later, that was Ezra and Nehemiah. Uh, and, and events after that. And then when we were done with Ezra and Nehemiah, we went to Jeremiah and we started to focus on, we went back to the time of the exile as the exile was just about to happen. But this time from the point of view, not of a straight history like we got in Kings, but this time it was the preaching of Jeremiah and how he tried to avoid this or prepare the people for it or at least be truthful uh, about it. We finished with Jeremiah and now we're going to go to Daniel. And Daniel preached at the same time as Jeremiah, but he was among the exiles. So the stories in Daniel are all going to be occurring in Babylon. So that's the first thing that you need to realize. But it's basically the same time frame as the last part of Jeremiah. Now, uh, for the remainder of the year, that is of the church year, we're going to be looking at the first six chapters of Daniel. Uh, and then in Advent, we're going to start on the book of Isaiah. So for the, the readings over the next uh, six days are going to be Daniel 1 through 6. This is the, uh, if you take a look at the book of Daniel uh, as a whole, the first six chapters are historical. They, they basically tell the story of Daniel in, in, um, uh, in Babylon. And then chapters 7 through 12 are various visions that Daniel had. We're not going to be covering those. Now, um, remember that there were three uh, separate sort of invasion slash deportations uh, at, at the, what, what we call the exile. The first one was in 605. It was the first. And then the second one was 597. It was the largest. And the third one was in 587. And it was the most disastrous. That was when the city was actually burned. Daniel was taken away in the first deportation. So in 605, he was taken from Jerusalem to Babylon. And that's where the story opens in Daniel chapter 1. Now, um, so Daniel and his three companions were all taken into exile at, uh, at, at that time. And Daniel's chapter 1 through 4 are all going to be happening more or less at the same time that Jeremiah was doing his preaching in Jerusalem. Uh, ch chapters 5 and 6 happen a little bit later. Daniel was in Babylon virtually from the beginning of the exile all the way until Cyrus decreed that, that the people could return. So he was there for a very, very long time. Now, the issues in Daniel uh, that we're going to see, particularly in chapters 1 through 6, uh, it's, it's a different world that we're going to enter into. And there are different issues that, that uh, we're going to be struggling with uh, say, compared to in Kings and Jeremiah. And the basic theme that you're going to see in Daniel 
is how to be faithful to God and, at the same time, do faithful service to a pagan king in a pagan land. In this way, it's very similar to what we saw in Joseph, uh, Joseph when he was in Egypt, and to some extent also uh, the book of Esther. Esther also occurs uh, among the exiles, somewhat later in the exile period, but among the exiles. And so the interesting thing here that you might find with Daniel in these stories in, in the first six chapters is that they have a lot to say to us Christians today. Uh, we live in a land that is not reliably Christian at all and is oftentimes quite unchristian. And so the question is, how do you be faithful to God and do what God wants while at the same time um, being able to to serve in government, for example, um, uh, or have a job or have friends that, that aren't Christians. And so these are all themes that are important in Daniel. The people are in exile. Jeremiah has told them, you get comfortable, pray for the cities in which God has settled you um, and, and, you know, build houses and live in them and marry and be given in marriage. So all of that is fine. Uh, that's what Jeremiah said, but Daniel is going to get at this. How do you do that and remain a faithful child of God. The very first test we get to here in, in chapter one is that Daniel and his three uh, companions have been selected for special service by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. This was a great honor. Uh, these, these were very young men, by the way, and they were to be groomed to serve in the, in the, uh, the king's court. And the very first test comes uh, when part of that grooming process was not only educating them, in uh, in the ways of of of, of Babylon, but uh, also feeding them the special uh, you know good food. I mean, it's actually the Babylonians would have considered this to be a wonderful thing. Uh, the king's diet make them make them healthy and strong. Um, unfortunately, they could not eat what was being provided to them by the Babylonians, uh, and remain faithful to the law of Moses much of this food would have been unclean. So how do we maintain some kind of a kosher diet here and be faithful to God without angering the king? And so that's that's going to be what's behind here in this first chapter. And you can read that and see how, uh, with the Lord's help, uh, it, it all works out for Daniel. Also, another thing to understand is that the Babylonians uh, really looked down on not, not just, uh, you know, the, the people from Judah, but from all the conquered lands. I mean, this was the superpower of the day, and they were the height of world culture. And so, you know, to take these, these uh, young kids from Judah in and give them instruction and in literature and language and culture, I mean, they were being enculturated into the highest ways of, of the pagan world um a high culture there uh and and so this is interesting also you think okay how, how would how would a person from judah uh who who has been steeped in in that uh kind of a life how would they take to this pagan culture that thinks so highly of itself that's interesting also and that's sort of a subtext here too all right so that's enough for daniel chapter one all right matthew 28 gives us matthew's account of the resurrection. And what I'm going to do here is briefly summarize and harmonize what is here, how it fits with the other Gospels. Because what Matthew does is he gives us certain select things, but he doesn't tell us about other things that Luke or, uh, or Mark or John told us. 
And, and so you might wonder, number one, where these things are. And also the, the, the account that he gives here, at least in one spot, is a little bit confusing. So, for example, when you read here at the very beginning of this account, uh, it, it sounds like uh, the women were approaching the tomb. And as they were approaching the tomb and see the guard, and then here comes the angel and the guards are stunned and the angel rolls the stone back. And it's like the women are watching this. But that's not really what happened. What happened was, as the women were, were headed to the tomb, but before they got there, the angel descends uh, and rolls away the stone. The guard that was there are all stunned and, and sort of fall down like, like dead. And, and there is the angel. And at that point, uh, uh, and, and the women weren't there. They did not see this. Um, then the, the guard would have fled, which is not recorded, but they, they obviously did. They fled from the scene. And so when the women got there, there were no guards and the, uh, the stone was already rolled uh, aside. And there was the angel and the angel greeted them. And then after the angel greeted them and they say, well, he's not here, he's risen. Then the, the women uh, you know, ran back to tell the disciples um, uh, you know, what, what they saw. And, and uh, while the women were returning, uh, Jesus greets them. And, and of course, they grab hold of him and he says, go tell, go tell my brothers, uh, you know, I'll meet them in Galilee. Uh, and then uh, meanwhile, some of the guards then returned to the chief priest to report what had happened. And, and that is Matthew's recording of what happened. His entire account is only Sunday morning. Now, uh, then what happens in chapter, in verse 16 and following, this is in Galilee, and this is sometime later. This may be as, as much as 40 days later when that happens. And so uh, Matthew just skipped over all the rest. There's a good deal uh, uh, that we are told in Luke and in John especially, what happened uh, Easter afternoon and evening. And, and Matthew doesn't tell us any of that. He is focusing entirely on the discovery of the empty tomb. We do not have in Matthew, uh, the, the disciples do not see Jesus on, on uh, Easter morning. We do not hear about them seeing him later on that day. Um, Matthew jumps to the very end, just before Jesus gives the great commission and, and ascends into heaven. Uh, uh, so at any rate, that's, um, that's what you have here. It, it's, it's condensed, it's focused on Sunday morning, uh, and particularly that issue at the very beginning uh, you've got to unsort that by by comparing it to the other um, to the other accounts to see that the, the women did not see the angel come down. Uh, by the time the women got to the tomb, the stone was already rolled away. The guards were gone, and there was the angel to uh, to greet them. One really quick point here uh, that is important to make, and and that is uh, when you look at the separate accounts of the resurrection, there are lots of little differences like that. They do harmonize. You can fit them all together, uh, but they come from distinctly different perspectives. And this shows a couple of things. Number one, it shows that, 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 that these are actual eyewitness accounts that nobody is trying to harmonize at the time they're writing them down. Okay, Because otherwise, it would be much clearer what, how everything happened. They're just telling the story as they saw it. And then the second um, is that there, there's a certain, uh, I guess, um, jumble to it. Uh, what was happening was very exciting and very unexpected. And so the reports are, uh, um, uh, they, they, they have a certain uh, a style to them um, where it's not smooth. You're, you're getting the impressions, you're, you're giving the excitement, 
Um, but you're not getting uh, a story that has been thought through for a great long time and now told with a great deal of uh, a smoothness. It's, it's, it's more raw, which again, has a lot, it says a lot about the genuineness of these stories. They were held onto and told just as they were received. And there was no effort to smooth them out. You can smooth them out, but you have to look at all the stories together and think about it a little bit. Okay, so much for Matthew. Uh, and uh, we are now going to turn to Revelation for tomorrow's, um, tomorrow's reading in Revelation uh, chapter 17.